0: All right, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 14, Paul writes, Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full and have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you chiefly they that are of Caesar's household, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, maybe the reason why Ed was going to sing to God be the glory is because that's the message titled for this morning, is to God be the glory. And as Paul concludes his letter, his focus is on God receiving all the glory. Christian, that ought to be the focus of everything we do in life is God receives the glory. So Paul's given his final thank you to Philippians for the gift that they sent, and he's encouraged by the fact they sent it to him and were participating in his ministry. So four ways in which I want us to see this passage. First of all, we're going to see the gift communicated in verses 14 through 16. The gift communicated. Secondly, in 17 through 19, we'll see God's accounting. In verse 20, we'll see the glory belongs to God. And then we will conclude with a greeting to the saints in verses 21 through 23. But all we do, whether therefore we eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything in life, Christian, needs to be done for God's glory. So let's ask for His guidance, please. Father, again, thank You for the songs we sung this morning and the testimonies this morning. Now I pray You'd help us to focus on Your Word and realize in all things, And all we do needs to be for your glory. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says, Notwithstanding you have well done and you communicate with my affliction. So the gift communicated. We need to give as unto the Lord. Now, while the Philippians were raising the funds to give this gift, whatever this is, to help meet the needs of the Apostle Paul, they're doing it, yes, to help Paul, but ultimately, as unto the Lord. Colossians 3:22 and 24. Servants obey in all things your masters according to flesh, not with eye services, men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord. Now, in context, uh, uh, in Colossians, is talking about our work being done as unto the Lord. But again, all things. So no matter whether we're giving or receiving or, or working or whatever we're doing, everything I do has to have the ultimate goal of God's glory. So that means even when I am on vacation or doing some recreational activity, the goal should not be for self-gratification. The goal still should be for God's glory. You say, now how does that work? All right, did Jesus not tell his disciples at one point after working very hard for a long period of time that they needed to come apart for a while? And he took them to a private place. Now, that doesn't mean that they turned off being Christian doesn't mean that they turned off following Christ. It didn't mean that they turned off the goal of still God's glory. But sometimes the best thing we can be doing is resting. Okay, But we live in a society that lives for the recreation and the rest and the everything else and is doing it for self-gratification, not for God's glory. By the way, I believe this is why American society has many of the problems we do because all we do is for self. We become a very selfish, self-centered society, and it has permeated, unfortunately, even into the church, where our thoughts are not about glorifying God, but are about pleasing self. So in all things needs to be done for God's glory. When we should give, we should not expect in return. Luke fourteen twelve through 14, Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest the dinner or supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they bid thee again, and a recompense be made to thee. But when thou makest the feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection Excuse me, of the just. Interesting principle being taught there. How often do we do something hoping to get something in return. That is human nature, is it not? You know, our forefathers, when they established this nation, established our government, use that aspect of human nature to try to make government, okay, it's inefficient on purpose, but to run the best, if you will, pitting human nature against human nature, if you will. The whole, you do this, I'll do that for you, is in there kind of by design. Now, it's, it's really gotten perverse in the way it's carried out, but it's kind of there by design in that an elected official wants your vote, right? He's not supposed to be listening to somebody lying in his pocket. He's supposed to be listening to the voter. And so when you, the voter, call up the elected official and say, look, this is what I believe needs to happen, It's supposed to be, if you will, if I want their votes, then I'm going to need to listen to what they're saying. You see what I'm saying? So it's kind of developed into the system, but what it has perverted into is the special interest groups of, hey, if you pass this bill, we'll give you a big contribution to your campaign. Okay? So it's become perverted, but understand that that was actually designed in the system to Understanding the human nature is typically selfish wanting for me and not truly to serve others. And so when we do something, we want something in return, right? How often have you heard somebody, or maybe you've even been the person, when you get a Christmas gift from somebody you didn't expect to get a Christmas gift from, now all of a sudden you feel like you owe them a Christmas gift. Okay, I understand, you know, you don't want to be discourteous, But at the same point, you shouldn't feel guilty. You know why? It was a gift. And if they gave it to get something, then they had the wrong motive for giving it in the first place. Right? So let's be careful in our giving. But our gift is not for man, but for God. Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity upon the poor, lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he giveth, will he pay again? Did not Jesus give the account of He's saying that uh, you fed me, you, you clothed me, and they're like, Lord, when did we do that? He says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So again, that is doing it as unto the Lord, and the Lord accounts it that way, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But when we give, or whatever we do, do your absolute best. You know, there used to be in society... A, will use the term pride because I don't know what other term to use, and doing a job well done. There used to be a satisfaction, that's probably a better word, and doing a job well done. Now the problem is, is mediocre is good enough. I did the minimum required, I'm fine. That attitude is a very selfish attitude. Because if I'm doing it as unto the Lord, mediocrity is, mediocrity is not enough. It should be the absolute best. And everything I, should, I do should be the absolute best I can do it. Not just, meh, good enough. The interesting thing about serving God is that as we serve God, somebody else receives a benefit. You say, what are you talking about? Name for me one service for God that you can do that somebody else doesn't receive a benefit and you're doing it. Okay, so let's take a few things that I think are pretty obvious. So if you teach a Sunday school lesson, I hope you're doing that to the glory of God, right? But do not your students receive a benefit? If you are being a parent, following the biblical principles, being a godly parent, You're doing that as unto the Lord, right? But do others, do your children receive a benefit? May I say even more uh, greater, does not society receive a benefit? Does not the ones who will be here later today receive a benefit when you're rearing children godly? Yeah. (laughs) We could go almost anything in life. If you are doing your work as unto the Lord, does not your boss receive a benefit? Isn't that amazing? That no matter what I do as service to the Lord, somebody else will receive a benefit for it. That's pretty amazing, I think, the way God designed that, don't you? So Paul is writing this book of encouragement to the Philippians because they had encouraged him. And he's encouraged by their ministry. I want to again remind you of something. Something. He says in verse 15, "Now ye Philippians know also that beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessaloniki you sent once again unto my necessity. Now isn't that interesting? He had started churches in many areas, had he not? And some of these areas were quite wealthy. We've studied before about Corinthians, or Corinth, rather, a very wealthy city. Macedonia, the whole region in which Philippi is, is a poor area. And yet, guess who's the one that said, the Apostle Paul has a need. Let's take a collection and let's meet his need. I saw a video once of this guy that did a test of this idea that most giving people usually are the ones that have a need themselves. And there's many ways in which you probably have seen this manifested. But one was the guy had like dollar bills taped to the inside of his coat. And he would tell people walking on the street, just take the money you need. The poor people would just take like 10 bucks and walk off. But the rich people would take everything he had there. Isn't that amazing? That, and again, it's, it's not, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but it is very usual that those that have the need are the most giving people those that have are very selfish and want more which are you now you don't have to be poor in order to be giving and by the way while some of us in this room may be classified by the government as below poverty level i think that's really a misnomer if you've as many in this room have been overseas and seen what true poverty is and we are not it, okay? But, again, our government trying to get everybody with a victim mentality. You know, you have to call it something, so be be wary of that. If you're discouraged, a way to overcome discouragement, obviously check your walk with God. Are you praying? Are you studying the Word of God? Are you being faithful to church? Are you doing those things? But let me tell you a way in which you can really, truly overcome discouragement is learn to serve others. Now, can sometimes serving others come with its own frustrations? Well, I had a professor that used to say ministry would be wonderful if it wasn't for the people. There are days I have felt ministry would be wonderful if it wasn't for the people. But you do understand that's really kind of funny in that ministry is about people. Learn to give to those in need. He says, you communicate with my affliction. That sounds very much like what he said back in chapter 3 and verse 10 when he talks about the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, these Philippians were identifying with Apostle Paul, who's in jail, saying, we still love him. He's still our friend. He's still one of us. He's still our brother. And we're going to meet his need. And we're going to stand with him because we understand the reason why he's in jail is not because of some crime that he had done, it's because of his preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to stand strong with him. Are we willing to stand with brothers and sisters in Christ? Or here's the, what I have seen, unfortunately, way too often, is, well, they got what they deserved. You know, we're going to abandon them and everything. Look, folks, that's not the way we need to treat brothers and sisters in Christ. Or if a brother and sister in Christ is has gone into sin, is backsliding, how often have you heard, I saw that coming? You know what my question is to that? If you saw it coming, then why didn't you do anything to approach them to try to prevent it? But now that it happened, you're all proud of yourself that you knew it was coming. You know what I'm talking about? Have you met the people I hope you haven't been one of them. I don't think anybody in this room has been, but I know I've caught myself sometimes in my own life thinking that, well, I saw that coming. Then I have to ask myself the own question, that same question. So what did you do to try to prevent it? Sometimes the answer is I did approach them, and they chose to rebel against God anyhow. Then I can say with a clear conscience, I did what I was supposed to but if i didn't then how dare i go around saying i saw that coming which i shouldn't say anyhow right you know what my attitude should be i want to see them reconciled so let's pray for them let us now labor abundantly and give paul did not receive again from any others matter of fact Paul even chides the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11.8. He says, I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. That's pretty harsh. But it was necessary because he's telling the Corinthians, other churches gave me wages so that I could come to you and preach the gospel, and now you're not even trying to help others in need. He's trying to get them to wake up. I will say this, I am so thankful Here at Freedom Baptist Church, when we present a need that a missionary has or an evangelist has or whatever, that you guys step up to the plate and you say, let's help take care of that need. And I'll tell you what, and I don't say this to our credit because to God be the glory, okay? This church has learned to give a beyond our measure, beyond our capability, if you will, the same as what Paul was saying of the macedonian churches they gave beyond what they should have been able to give i am thankful over the years this church has been that church i think most recently of when becky who's still suffering with health issues but when mike decided he was going to have to travel less this church said you know what we will take on them for support initially for six months, but they were still trying to figure things out because they were still doing all those doctor's visits. And we said, okay, we'll give them another six months. And at the end of a year, she said, I am tired of being poked and prodded. I just want to go home. And Mike said, look, I understand, you know, your church helped us out during this time. He said, but my wife is tired of the testing. And he goes, so we'll figure it out. But thank you for the time that you guys supported us. And he's told me numerous times, numerous times, he said, we would have not made it through that year if your church did not decide to support us for that year. There was a legitimate need. And you all stood up and said, we're going to meet that need. There's been many other times. I remember one time when the Quinlan's uh, van had bald tires on it. And this church said, we'll pay for new tires for the van. I mean, it's pretty important that he not blow a tire out with his family in there, right? And we could go back over the history of different things that God has allowed this church to do. Why? Because by God's grace, this church has learned to give. Now, again, folks, I'm not saying that to try to puff you up. I'm saying that because, praise God, he's taught this church how to give sacrificially. But Paul says he was robbing other churches to be able to minister to the Corinthians. Now, when this church was young, we had, I had uh, several churches that were supporting me personally, if a mission support, if you will, because the church was too small to be able to, uh, to um, give us any compensation. And, Honestly, a lot of those funds that I was receiving also went to help pay the expenses of this church because this church went through a rough time, okay? Now, praise God, we're beyond that. But I believed we had a responsibility to learn how to give. You know why? I didn't want us robbing from other churches. And so, praise God, this church learned how to give. Hold your place here in Philippians. Turn with me back to 2 Corinthians for just a moment. And this is referring to the same group of people in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, Moreover, brethren, verse 1 of chapter 8, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord as and unto us by the will of God. Paul says they first gave themselves to the Lord. And let me tell you, you want to learn the principles of God receiving the glory in all things and learning to be a giver, learning to be one who can be used of God, You've got to give yourself to God first. That's what he says the Macedonians, who happen to be, include this church of Philippi, did. They gave themselves to God first. Be surrendered to God completely. Allow God to have complete control of every area of your life, not just partial areas, but every area of your life needs to be submitted to God. Then God used them beyond their power. And you know, it's interesting because when they come to Philippians 4 again, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will repay. You've heard it said many times we can't outgive God. Now, if your motive for giving to God is to get, then your motive is wrong. But I promise you this, I can promise you that if you give as God leads, and I say as God leads because, again, I have said numerous times, I personally, and I'm not here going to criticize a church who does it this way, but I personally don't put thermometers or lighthouses or stuff like that with this numerical goal because what we ask when we're raising funds for missions or whatever, we ask each of you to pray and ask God what he would have you to give and then to give it not to try to reach some numerical goal. And I even had a missionary tell me once, he said, you need to put the lighthouse up there because then people will feel bad and they'll give more when we're getting close to the goal. And they'll just go ahead and write that extra check. And I said, that's exactly why I won't do it is because I don't want them to make an emotional decision, not that was not prayed about. And God won't bless because they just did it just to do it to, to, because somebody put a goal up there. I said, I want them to pray about it. And to ask God what to give, and then to give according to that. He goes, well, you'll never get more money then. I say, well, show me in the scripture where it says that we should put a go up there and then put, put an emotional decision in front of people and have them give that way emotionally instead of prayerfully. And he couldn't give an answer. Now that's my opinion. I'm not here judging a church that does it that way, okay? But I'll tell you one thing I don't want to do. Is create an emotional decision. You write the big check. And then when you're sitting there struggling with your bills, you're blaming God for it. It wasn't God's fault because you made an emotional decision, not a prayerful decision. Do you understand the difference? What I'm trying to say? But if you've prayed about it and God has led you to give that, then I can give you this assurance God will meet the need. Because He told you to give it, God is not going to lead you to do something. Okay, not, not audibly, but God laid, presses on your heart a number to give. And, and I believe once you have that and you are convinced this is what God would have me to do, you be faithful doing it because he laid it on your heart. He's going to meet the need. That's different than an emotional decision of, well, we're only $1,000 short. I'll just go ahead and write the check because God's going to provide somehow. So let's look at God's accounting number two. We're going to run out of time. Not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul was not wanting, he's not sitting there thinking well, it was about time that church get their act together and send me something. No, rather, he was wanting fruit to abound on their account. Over the years, we have had, as I said, there were several churches who were supporting us financially. And then uh, there was a church in Virginia came down and they painted this auditorium and painted the outside of the building. Yes, it needs it again. This was 14 years ago. And did some other work around here. And then there was another church came down and had that sound booth built, had the library built, painted the hallway. And then there was another church that sent... A group of youth here to help us with a vacation Bible school. And then a fourth church did the same thing, sent a group here to do a vacation Bible school. There was another church from Missouri that came and helped us knock on 3,000 doors in Havelock, inviting them to a special service. And I could go on and on. May I say, when souls are saved through the ministry of Freedom Baptist Church, I believe God still accounts fruit to their account for what they did to help this church get to where it is today. God's accounting system, I think, is very amazing in that when you give to a missionary, when you give to the youngs, or we give to the stalkups, you know, as the stalkups get this... Um, center to reach Muslims going in New York and people start getting saved, that's going to be fruit to your account for giving. That's going to be amazing when we get to heaven because we're going to be thanking others. Some who've been saved here through this ministry will be thanking those from other churches for the work that they did in this church. And there'll be there'll be those who will then be christian no longer muslim amen uh when we get to glory from new york who are going to come to you and say thank you for giving because if they didn't have the funds they wouldn't have been able to share the gospel with me god's accounting is very amazing and so what paul is reminding us is that we give, and yes, they receive a benefit. When we send a check to the Stalkups, and we send a check to the Youngs, they do receive a benefit. Okay? Because, you know, they have a place to sleep. They have, well, for the Youngs, it's a generator. And I guess they really don't need heat where they are. Maybe air (laughs) conditioning. Probably not. But anyhow, um, they get food to eat. Okay? There is benefit to them. But... They are taking a lot of those funds. For the Youngs, they're printing scriptures. They're working on the translations. They're dealing with the churches that are already there in Papua New Guinea. And if you read their letters, sometimes some of the little infighting that goes on among those churches is, I bet your brother Young has a time or two where he says, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> but all that is fruit to your account. And when souls get saved, God is reckoning that to your account. God sees our gifts as a sweet-smelling offering. Verse 18, he says, The things which were sent from you, in the middle of the verse, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Barnes puts it this way. He says, an odor of a sweet smell, that this does not mean that it was such an odor to Paul, but to God. He regarded it as an offering which they had made to God himself, and he was persuaded that he would regard it as acceptable to him. They had doubtless made the offering not merely from personal friendship for Paul, but because he was a minister of Christ and from love to his cause, and Paul felt assured that this offering would be acceptable to him. Have you considered that? When you write your check for missions, that is as if giving an offering unto God Himself. That's what Paul says that it will be reckoned as. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So when we give, when you give of your time, your talents, and your treasure, For God's service, God is accounting that as an offering to him. This service was an act of worship to God, and he has accepted it and is pleased. Now again, verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul is not teaching the prosperity gospel. He's not preaching the name it claim it gospel. You want a million-dollar home? Just pray about it, and God will give it to you. He's not teaching and preaching that. Because, first of all, I don't know why any of us would need a million-dollar home. Actually, the more my wife and I talk, the more we're thinking a tiny home. Now, there's a little bit of strategy to it, too, in that if we get a house that's too small, then, then we'll ensure that the kids don't bring a bunch back with them, right? Right? <laughs> I'm kidding, Shannon. Actually, my wife says many times, we used to own a 14 by 40 house trailer. She says, I miss my house trailer. I mean, yes, it was like living in a bread box. Okay. But it was easy to keep clean, easy to maintain. It was pretty simple home, you know, didn't have a lot of complexity to it because folks, when we really think about it, does what I have this side of glory, as far as a home really matter. Now, look, some of you have been blessed with beautiful homes. I'm not saying that's not wonderful and good, okay? But I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. There's a mansion on the other side. And from my understanding of my home on the other side, it's not going to have the maintenance problems that these homes on this side have. (laughs) That's going to be glorious, isn't it? That'll give us more time for praising our Savior who's the one who deserves the glory anyhow. But God said he's going to provide all your needs. All your needs. Well, we really need to sit down and evaluate what is a need, what is a want. Because we as Americans have labeled a lot of wants as needs. And we need to understand, God has promised to meet our needs, not our wants. But may I say, I have learned... Over time, because God is so good, God is so gracious, and just because He can, He throws in some of those wants sometimes. Isn't that amazing? Because, you know, He's only promised to meet our needs, but He cares about you so much. Sometimes He says, you know what? I'm going to give you a little extra. Some of those things that you desire, I'm going to give them to you. Isn't that wonderful? What a good God we serve. But you know, even if he didn't, it doesn't change his goodness and it doesn't change his character. And he still says, I will provide your needs. Now, what are my needs? Well, Jesus said, having food and raiment, therewith be content. Got clothes on your back? You got food? This is hard. But according to what Christ said, that's what you need. The riches of heaven... Are available. He supplies your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You've all heard He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but He owns the hills that those cattle stand on. I mean, He owns it all. What is the riches of God? He has all resources available to Him. Do you think God's ever concerned and worried how He's going to provide for your needs do you think that he ever has to sit there and fret over it? He has all resources available to him. He's not short on supply. Too often we're short on prayer and faith. Our time is up. We're going to have to end there. But let's remember, all the glory belongs to God, the gift that was communicated, and God's accounting of the gift. Let us bow forward to prayer.